This is the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast, episode 34. Today's episode is called Essential Oil Chemical Families Deep Dive, part one. In part one, I'm going to be discussing five specific chemical families. And for each family, I'm going to share with you the therapeutic properties associated with that family, as well as the healing benefits and the safety issues. The five chemical families I'll be talking about are monoterpenes, sesquiterpenes, monoterpenols, sesquiterpenols, and the phenols. You're listening to the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast with your host, Liz Fulcher. If you're interested in learning about essential oils, hearing interviews with industry experts, and discovering ways to grow your own aromatherapy business, this is the podcast for you. For more information and show notes, visit the website at aromaticwisdominstitute.com. Now sit back, relax, take a deep breath, and enjoy as Liz shares a dose of aromatic wisdom. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast. I'm Liz Fulcher. I'm your host for this show. Thank you so much for being here and giving me a bit of your time. I'm going to pretty much jump into today's topic of essential oil chemical families. I do want to mention one thing before I start. With every episode, I uh, talk about show notes. If you go to my website, there's a page for every podcast episode. And what you'll find on that page at the top is the media player where you can click and listen to the podcast or download or download it. And there is a, an, a section called show notes where I put a link to whatever I talk about. So if I make references to other pages, to books, to anything that I think you might want to go and look at, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And it's actually easy to find the show notes if you know what episode you're listening to. So for example, this is episode 034, episode 34, basically. Uh, but on my website, it'll be under aromaticwisdominstitute.com forward slash zero three four. So whenever uh, I do a, an episode, it's always aromaticwisdominstitute.com forward slash and then the podcast number. Until I get to episode 100, it'll be zero. So it's zero zero one zero zero two zero ninety nine, and then finally 100. So today's episode is zero three four. Okay, let's get into talking about our subject of essential oil chemical families. The first of the five chemical families I'm going to discuss today is the monoterpenes. I always like to start with the monoterpene chemical family because, well, it's the largest chemical family. Um, the, the monoterpene constituents are the most prevalent constituents found in essential oils. They are everywhere. And the monoterpene chemical family is large. A lot of essential oils contain monoterpene constituents. My biggest concern here is not to overwhelm you with information because it's in my nature as a teacher. If you ask me what time it is, I'll build you a clock. So I have to be real careful not to do that here with when I'm talking about these molecules. But so I'm going to keep it real simple. So here are some things I would like you to know about the monoterpene well, monoterpene constituents. So again, if you remember, constituent, components, molecules, it's all the same thing. They're different words, basically meaning molecules. So the molecules in the monoterpene chemical family are tiny. 
There are hydrocarbons, which means they're made up of only two things, hydro, hydrogen and carbon, period. There's nothing else in that molecule. It's very, very simple. And there are only 10 carbons. That's not a lot. So it's a tiny molecule. So why is that important? Well, because a tiny molecule has very specific um, characteristics. So tiny molecule has a low molecular weight and a high volatility. They are, they are very light and airy compounds. They evaporate and oxidize really quickly. If you can imagine a very nice, tiny, cute, like, I don't know why I think they're cute, but okay, cute little molecules are just floating quickly out of the bottle, boom, 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 because they don't weigh anything and they oxidize very, you know, they evaporate very quickly. I'm a visual person, so I imagine monoterpenes just flying and whizzing out of the bottle. So if you've got a tiny little molecule that's very light and it's flying out of the bottle, what do you think that means? It means that they don't have a long shelf life. The monoterpene chemical family as a whole has a short shelf life. And by short, I mean two to three years. It is, so these are essential oils that you soup, you want to always protect all your oils, but the monoterpenes in particular, you want to protect. So by protect them, I mean, you want to keep the lids on tight, of course. You would like to keep them in a cool, dark location. And you want to keep the bottles full. If you have ever seen an essential oil bottle that's half full, you've used half the bottle and now the other, the top half is just empty bottle, that is called headspace. Headspace is the enemy to an essential oil. But in particular, headspace is an enemy to a monoterpene. So if you have a 10 mil bottle that's half empty, find a five mil bottle and put the rest of it in there. You want to keep your bottles full. Okay, so monoterpenes are characterized by low weight, high volatility. They evaporate very quickly. They oxidize easily. Oxidation is when oxygen basically comes in and violates the molecule and breaks it down. And then what happens is the product, the, that essential oil is no longer safe for the skin. I'm going to be talking about skin safety in a couple of episodes. I'm going to be doing a whole series on safety, and I'll do one just on skin, on essential oil irritation and sensitization. What do you do if you have an old monoterpene oil and you're not sure if it's oxidized or not? I would say do not use it for your skin. If it still smells good, go ahead and put it in your diffuser. You can use it in your cleaning products, but do not use it for topical application because you risk problems. And truthfully, with a few exceptions, the monoterpenes are not the most expensive group of oils. They tend to be, you know, some of the more affordable oils. Now, you've got frankincense in there. That's uh, not a real cheap one. You've got, got a couple other expensive ones. But, um, you know, with the monoterpenes, buy them and use them. The shelf life of monoterpenes is two to three years. I did say that, but it's worth repeating. Keep your essential oils in a cool, dark place. You don't have to keep them in the fridge if you don't want to. You can keep them in a shoebox. Uh, just keep them in a room where the temperature is not too hot. Um, some people like to keep them in their basement, their garage, or um, even in the bedroom where the temperature is pretty stable. I wouldn't keep them in the bathroom because hot and cold, hot and cold. Okay, let's talk about benefits. The benefits of essential oils high in monoterpene components. Well, first of all, they are, um, because they're tiny, they're what we call penetration enhancers. 
they're really lipophilic. They, they go right into a fatty substance. So they penetrate the tissues of the body easily, which means if you're making a blend, let's say for a muscle, a muscle joint, something where there's an issue that is very deep in the body, it's good to add a monoterpene, in particular the citruses, to your blend to help drive the blend deeply into the body. The monoterpene family is great for airborne deodorizers and purifiers. These oils are fabulous to diffuse any time of the year. They're, they're great for diffusion because they smell good and they will kill, help um, you know, deodorize the air, basically. They are rubefacient, one of my favorite aromatherapy words. Rubefacient means it increases circulation. So they're, they're great to use with pain relief, muscle pain, and so forth. They are really a good family to use in cl green cleaning products, especially because they do go bad quickly. They, if you're again, if you're unsure about the shelf life, just stick it in your um, cleaning products. Let's see. Now, remember what I'm telling you is a somewhat of a generalization. So you always want to check every essential oil uh, individually before you use it. But with the monoterpenes, we can generalize a bit. Now, the safety issues. Oils high in monoterpenes, because they are, because they have such a short shelf life, they can cause skin irritation or sensitization if they're older. And of course, as always, before you use essential oils topically on your skin or in the bathtub even, because they don't blend well with water, always add a carrier. Add a carrier to your oils before putting them on your skin. Add a carrier to your oils before putting them in the bathtub. Okay, I'm sure by now you want to know what specific oils are high in the monoterpene components. I go over to PompeiOrganics.com. <clears throat> I click on shopping, essential oils, and then I can look by chemical family. I've talked about that in the last couple of episodes, and I think I might put a little graphic in this week's show notes to show you how to do it, but there's a huge selection of monoterpenes. Really easy to find the oils according to chemical family on the pompeiorganics.com website. So I'm there now, and I'm looking at angelica root, bergamot, or bergamot, as I like to call it. it uh, all the citrus oils fall in the monoterpene family. There's one monoterpene component called D-limonene, which is present in really all the citruses, and that's what makes it so high in monoterpenes, really be mostly because of that one component. Uh, we've got black pepper, cypress, a lot of the conifers, balsam fir, Siberian fir, hemlock, cypress, uh, scotch pine, white pine, white spruce, white uh, black spruce, rhododendron essential oil, rock rose. My God, I love rock rose. You've got rosemary, tea tree, thyme. Uh, Loris nobilis. Some people call that bay leaf. Some people call it laurel leaf. There are a lot of oils in this family. That's not all of them. I just named quite a few that you'll find easily. So enjoy your monoterpene chemical family. They do a lot for us. Just be mindful that you're keeping them uh, fresh and stored properly so you don't have problems with your skin. All right, essential oil chemical family number two, the sesquiterpene family. Like monoterpenes, the sesquiterpene components are made of only hydrogen and only carbon, and therefore they're called hydrocarbons. 
The difference between the monoterpenes and the sesquiterpenes is the size of the molecule. So monoterpenes are little guys, 10 carbons. Sesquiterpenes have five more carbons. So a total of 15 carbons. Imagine now if we have our itty bitty monoterpenes flying out of the bottle. Now we have these great big molecules with 15 carbons. It takes them a while to get out of the bottle. They're big and heavy and slow. So what does that mean for the shelf life? That's right, because they evaporate slowly, they have a longer shelf life. Overall, the sesquiterpene chemical family is much less susceptible to oxidation. So you still need to take good care of them, keep the bottles full, keep the lids on and so forth, but you uh, can have them a lot longer. I mean, there's the shelf life of sesquiterpenes is something like six to eight years. Depending on the specific oil, it can be even longer. Now, the benefits of the sesquiterpenes are not as easy to generalize. Monoterpenes, it's kind of easy, easy to categorically say they do X, Y, and Z. Sesquiterpenes, not so much. The therapeutic properties of each oil really needs to be considered individually because of this, you know, because we can't generalize. So you really want to go in and see the properties. However, I am going to generalize a couple of things. The sesquiterpenes all are antibacterial, which is pretty safe to say for most essential oils, antiseptic, uh, analgesic. One of the thing, um, thing that I like about this family is they tend to be very grounding and quieting uh, sedative essential oils. Not as many safety considerations with the sesquiterpene chemical family, thank goodness. They don't tend to be as skin irritating as the monoterpenes. However, if the oils are old and oxidized, if you don't take care of them, if you've got an empty bottle with just a tiny bit at the bottom and you keep it, they'll still oxidize. However, um, the one that you really want to be mindful of, of all these essential oils, is myrrh. Myrrh essential oil has a component called beta-alamine, E-L-E-M-E-N-E, -E -E, and it has... Um, Let's see if I can say this right. It's got a property called anti-angiogenic. And basically what that means is it suppresses new blood vessels from forming, which can be a good thing. But if you're growing a baby in your belly, the body doesn't know if it's a tumor or not and could suppress fetal growth. So please do not use myrrh in pregnancy. Okay, what are some specific sesquiterpene essential oils? So balsam copaiba, a beautiful resinous sweet oil. I love it. And that one has a great long shelf life. Uh, German chamomile, cedarwood. You've got manuka, myrrh, which I already talked about, spikenard, patchouli, rhododendron, lang lang is a great one, opopanax. Now, black pepper is in the sesquiterpene chemical family. But Liz, I thought you said black pepper was in the monoterpene chemical family. It is. Black pepper happens to have a lot of monoterpene constituents and a lot of sesquiterpene constituents. Therefore, it will be included in both families. You can say it's a, it's a sesquiterpene-rich essential oil. You can also say it's a monoterpene-rich essential oil. You have to look at the GCMS report. Where the heck are all the chemicals? Into which family do they fall? And black pepper falls into both. Okay, now I want to move away from the terpenes and move into a new 
type of chemical family called an alcohol. The two chemical families we're going to look at next are monoterpenols and sesquiterpenols. They sound very similar to the terpenes, don't they? They both start with monoterpen and sesquiterpen. The difference is terpenes end with ene and alcohols end with ol. So like the monoterpene, monoterpenols have the 10 carbon backbone. However, it now has the addition of something called a functional group. And the functional group is called hydroxyl. And it's got oxygen and hydrogen. One of my favorite molecules, if I can have favorites, is linalool. And linalool is one of the rock star molecules. I do have, I, I'm known in my classroom for calling certain molecules the rock stars. In the monoterpenes, D-limonene is the rock star. In the monoterpenols, I consider linalool a rock star molecule because it's such a beautiful molecule. I, I It gives the essential oil such wonderful properties like skin friendly for one thing. I mean, linalool is really big in lavender. So that's one of the reasons why lavender is such a nice oil. But so now I'm rabbit holing. Let me come back and tell you about the monoterpenal properties. We can generalize a little bit with the monoterpenals. Um, we've got, of course, linalool, which is beautiful and uh, great for skin. It's analgesic, sedating. That's another thing. Linalool makes uh, an essential oil very quieting and, and sedating in its properties. Anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety. You've got um, geraniol, amazing for the skin. And in fact, geraniol as a component is really good against rosacea. So if you have rosacea, you're gonna want an oil high in geraniol and palmarosa is one of them. The uh, monoterpenal oils are anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial. They can be, um, there is one monoterpenal called menthol, which is found in peppermint. That is really good for itching and um, it's antispasmodic. That's not true for all the others, but for peppermint in particular. So in general, the monoterpenal rich oils are really good for skin care. Uh, that is kind of my go-to family if I want to do something specific for skin care. The safety considerations for the monoterpenal family, they're pretty safe, actually. They're, you know, again, watch that they don't oxidize. That business of oxidation is true for every single chemical family. So overall, you want to protect your oils from air, light, heat, you know, you want to keep the bottles full. You just want to protect your essential oils. Do not keep them forever. Uh, let's see. So for the most part, the alcohols are safe on the skin. Uh, you just, the one exception is peppermint, which because of this menthol can be potentially skin irritating. And then also with peppermint, because of menthol, you don't want to use peppermint on children under the age of five. Most definitely never by infants. So that is the safety features for the monoterpenols and specific monoterpenal essential oils. I got to put lavender at the top of the list. Uh, clary sage, which I love. Clary sage comes with its own special uh, set of safety precautions, but you want to, um, again, when you're working with an oil, look at that oil and all its properties. We're just looking at the family now. Geranium, neroli, and there's another one I talked about. Neroli is also in the monoterpene chemical family, and there it is in the monoterpenols. Palmarosa, peppermint, rose absolute, hoewood. I love hoewood. That's one of my favorite oils as well. Uh, spike lavender, sweet marjoram, again, tea tree, 
The essential oil of basil is uh, basil chemotype linalool. Specifically, you want the chemotype linalool. Fragonia, that's a beautiful essential oil. Marjoram, I don't know if I mentioned mar- marjoram. I'm kind of saying these randomly. Pettigrain is a really nice one. Rosalina, I love Rosalina. That's also a really good oil for children. Thyme chemotype linalool, not thyme chemotype thymol. So if you're going to buy thyme, especially if it's for skincare, uh, make sure that you are buying the chemotype linalool. If you don't know what I mean by chemotype, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a blog post I wrote explaining that. Xyloxanthum, there's a fun name. That's also um, rich in the monoterpenal components. And then finally, the shelf life for the monoterpenal chemical family is about three to five years. Okay, we've talked about three chemical families. Now we're going to talk about a fourth which is the second of our alcohols. We talked about monoterpenol as the first alcohol family, and now we've got sesquiterpenol. So doesn't it stand to reason that if monoterpene with the addition of a functional group becomes a monoterpenol, that a sesquiterpene, your 15 carbon backbone, with the addition of a functional group, hydroxyl, becomes a sesquiterpenol. The sesquiterpenol high oils tend to be energetically and emotionally grounding. This is a beautiful group for really, uh, if you do energetic work for um, the lower chakras, for slowing and calming things down. This chemical family is also kind of hard to generalize. The therapeutic properties of the sesquiterpenols are so varied that, you know, they all have such individual components that have a unique effect. So overall, though, I mean, I, I, we do try to generalize. And if I were to do so for the sesquiterpenol family, I would say, first of all, they're grounding, sedative, skin healing, another beautiful skin group, immune stimulating and anti-inflammatory. The shelf life is long for this family because of these big, gigantic, slow molecules, slow to evaporate. So six to eight years is about right for uh, sesquiterpenol essential oil. In terms of safety, a really lovely group. The sesquiterpenols are usually pretty safe and they, there aren't any real known skin irritants in this group. Okay, and then finally, to give you a list of some of these gorgeous sesquiterpenol-rich uh, essential oils, carrot seed. Carrot seed is like, hands down, carrot seed and frankincense actually are my two favorites for the skin because I have quote-unquote maturing skin. Carrot seed is fabulous for skin, well, for any skin, but in particular for for skin that's seen a lot of years like mine. Carrot seed, cedarwood, German chamomile is another great sesquiterpenol, patchouli, sandalwood, vetiver. Can you see that these are all these really earthy, lovely grounding oils? Okay, and finally, for the fifth chemical family that we're going to look at today is the phenol chemical family. The phenols are incredible healers, but man, oh man, they do come with some safety issues. So please pay attention. So phenol high oils are aggressive. They're very active, which means that they do an awful lot for healing. But being aggressive, they can be irritating, irritating and hot, very harsh. So these molecules have what's called a benzene ring. 
And the benzene ring is significant because it's kind of a red flag whenever you see a picture of a molecule and it's got a benzene ring in it. Then it's kind of like, ah, danger, Will Robinson. We know, oh my gosh, I don't know what that molecule is, but I can see it's got a benzene ring and I know that it's going to be hot and irritating. Therefore, I'm going to be careful. So they they don't, the lot of like a lot of essential oils, they don't evaporate quickly, which means they have a stronger chance to penetrate the skin and irritate it as well as the mucous membrane. So for example, I would never use a phenol-rich essential oil in a nasal inhaler because we breathe in the molecules and they're going to be, it's going to be really irritating. The phenols are known as hot oils, even though you don't actually feel any heat, but they are chemically hot. And pretty much that means that they are caustic. They can be caustic to the skin. I cannot stress strongly enough that when you are using the phenol essential oils topically, you must use a, a carrier. Please, please, please dilute them. Uh, this is one that you want to go really easy on. Not uh, Don't overuse the phenols. Okay, now that I've scared you, <laughs> let's look at the good news about phenols. So I consider phenols a big gun in the healing department. They are antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. They are really strongly anti-infectious. So the phenols are what I pull out for, for, for infections, for things that are really pretty strong. I, as I said, I consider it a big gun. If it's, a t if it's like a scratch, I might use lavender. If it's a like a deep infection, I don't mean deep. I'm thinking like a topical infection or a lung infection, then I would go ahead and pull out the bigger guns of the phenols. They are very rubefacient. There's that word again. Um, they will help stimulate blood and oxygen circulation, creating warmth to an area. So if you do need for, I'm trying to think of an example. So if you've got cold feet, I'm thinking of a diabetic or somebody who has poor circulation, adding a phenol oil to a, like a foot rub would be really nice. They are, you know, of course they're great for acute illness, infections to stimulate the immune system. Although I would not use phenols in a nasal inhaler, I wouldn't hesitate to use a phenol, a phenolic oil in a chest rub. So if I were to make a, a salve, an ointment, a heavy oil, something like that, I, I wouldn't hesitate to put one of my phenol-rich oils in there to support respi the respiratory system. My son, when he was six, had pneumonia, and I remember using some phenol and ketone oils specifically for his lungs, but I used them in a really, um, in a low dilution, like 1% in a salve. So that's all the good news about the phenols. The safety considerations are, well, that they're potentially skin irritating, also mucous membrane irritating. They're also uh, essential oils that can quickly cause sensitization. I'm, again, I'm going to be talking about sensitization in a, in a couple of episodes, but it is, you can have skin problems from phenols. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, if you got, if you're using them in a high dilution, you're going to, it's just a matter of time that you will find problems. Please use phenol essential oils in a low dilution. So in my classroom, I have my students make their blends with only 1% of the blend being phenol-rich oils. So if, let's just say, for example, they're going to make a 2% blend with 1% being 6 drops in an ounce, with a 2% blend, they can put 12 drops in an ounce. So I would tell them if one of the oils they want to use is clove, 
which is high in phenols, I would tell them, just 1% of that would be clove. The other 1% would need to be something else, preferably a skin nourishing oil. So if you are doing a topical blend for phenols, keep your dilution at 1%. I would avoid the phenol rich oils in the bath altogether. There is no reason to put clove or thyme or oregano in the tub. You've got plenty of beautiful essential oils that are skin friendly you can use in the tub, always with a carrier. So I would save the phenols for other things. Be mindful if somebody is um, has a clotting disorder and if they're or if they're taking blood thinners, even even aspirin, but warfarin or anything like that, especially before surgery, avoid this family. There are several components in the phenols which can help thin the blood. So eugenol, which is in clove, thymol, which is in thyme, carvacrol, which is in oregano. So just avoid phenols altogether if someone has issues with clotting or if they're taking blood thinning drugs. The shelf life of the phenol-rich essential oils is about three to five years. Again, like all essential oils, depending on how well they're cared for. And finally, the essential oils that are rich in phenol molecules are, I've mentioned some of them already, oregano, thyme, chemotype thymol, clove bud, cinnamon leaf, tulsi. Tulsi is a, is a basil. It's in the basil family, but it's, um, it's very high in eugenol. So if you smell tulsi, it has a very clove-like smell. That is because it's high in eugenol and, and clove is high in eugenol. So again, just be really mindful with this family to keep your dilutions low and to always dilute, dilute, dilute. Go over dilute if you're not sure. You know, I think it's better to be safe than sorry and less really can be more with this particular family. I'm appalled at some of the recipes I see on Pinterest and even on Facebook that have got high doses of clove in particular for some reason. And I don't know what people are thinking. And I can tell you, if people are using clove um, undiluted on the feet, behind the ears, I don't know, wherever people are putting them, it's only a matter of time till you can't use it anymore that you will be sensitized. And then there's this phenomenon called cross-sensitization where you become sensitized, which is basically allergic to one, you'll be sensitized to another. You know, the phenols are beautiful oils because they have a lot of healing properties. So I truly didn't want to, don't want to put you off to them. I really just want you to be, uh, use them safely so that we get the full benefit. So there we have our first five chemical families, sesquiterpene, monoterpene, sesquiterpenol, monoterpenol, and the phenols. I hope that that was helpful for you to understand a little bit more about the chemical families, their benefits, their safety considerations, and some essential oils per family. If you have any questions, as always, you can write to me, uh, aromaticwisdominstitute.com forward slash contact. And when you go to the contact page, just put Ask Liz in the uh, subject line and whatever you want to know, I will get back to you. That's it for the meat of the episode. We're coming towards the end. And of course, get ready, kids, because it's time for Smell My Life. <laughs> this week, I used uh, some old essential oils for cleaning. So I got a wild hair because it's wintertime and I'm locked in and I get these wild hairs of cleaning. Not very often, not often enough, let me say that. So I was cleaning the top shelf. Okay, in my bathroom, I have a 
a small shelf, like we all have, you know, the linen closet, and you keep your towels and your whatever's in there. Well, I have so many whatevers that I didn't even know what I had in there. So I kind of pulled a couple things off the top shelf, and then a couple more things. And then I started going through like, I don't want this. I don't want that. I've been decluttering. And it became a whole thing. So I ended up taking every single item off of every shelf in the bathroom closet, got a damp rag and an old bottle of peppermint and eucalyptus and sprinkled that all over the shelves and then took this damp rag and wiped and cleaned the shelves. I didn't use any soap. Most I was just kind of dusting them off. But I really wanted to use peppermint eucalyptus because they smell good. They uh, they smell clean. And I got in there and I washed the walls and as far as I up as, as I could reach to the ceiling of the closet. And of course, every one of the shelves waited till it dried. And then went through and got rid of half of my towels because I realized I had way too many towels because you know what happens is you just keep, they just, dirty towels just keep piling up and then then it's like wash day is all towels. And anyway, I ended up, I think I kept two towels per person and then an extra two for like a guest, which was six towels because it's James and I and our grandson and eight towels and then two more for guests. And I must have had oh, 20 towels. What I, what I did with the rest of the towels was I packed them up in a box and I gave them away to our local dog shelter. It's our dog rescue called Mostly Mutts. And uh, they love towels and sheets because they use them for the dogs and after they bathe them and stuff. So anyway, there's Smell My Life for this week. And finally, I just want to remind you that I do have an aromatherapy certification program starting on March 7th, 2018. I only offer it twice a year. And yeah, I do it live. Very few people do anymore. I'm in Pennsylvania. I've had people travel from far away, Florida, Michigan, New Hampshire. I had a woman come from from the Netherlands for one of my teacher trainings. People are are doing a lot of traveling for classes anymore because live hands-on stuff is is not always easy to find. And I think I mentioned this last week, if you could go to facebook.com forward slash Aromatic Wisdom Institute and just give my page a like, say hi. Um, I don't know, I've got it in my head these days that I would like to uh, increase the number of likes on my Facebook page. I'm trying to be more Facebook friendly and get more stuff on that page instead of using my personal page all the time. And then the last thing is that next week, episode 35, I'm going to continue this conversation of essential oil chemistry deep dive, and we're going to do five more chemical families, aldehydes, esters, ketones, ethers, and the always gorgeous, always wonderful esters. That's it for me. I hope you have a most wonderful week. Until next time. Be happy, be well. 